so um, this is this. What I love about uh, this place is it is an international church. I took a picture last week. There were 11 people up on the stage. I think there were seven different countries represented up on the stage last week leading worship. And I also love the fact that there was an 11-year-old, like a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15, 16-year-old, all up on the stage leading worship together as well. We're all about everybody getting tucked in and involved. So if you're new here today, just know that I was new here just a few months ago as well, and now I'm already up here. So come on. That's kind of fun. So welcome, and if you can tell, I'm not from South Africa, even though you're going to meet lots of South Africans, I am from the U.S., and if you didn't know it, yes, we are not in the World Cup, and we're not bitter about it either. I don't think South Africa's in it either, are they? So yeah, let's not talk about the World Cup. Go England. So um, anyway, it's great to have you here. Um, I am really excited to talk about this today. I'm really going to talk about one, one simple thing that I, I think can, is powerful and that we all need to hear, everybody in the room. It uh, doesn't matter if you're single or married or widowed or divorced or young or old, wherever you're at in the world, I think we all need to hear from God today uh, this topic. There's a proverb uh, that says this, Proverbs 18, chapter 18, verse 24, that says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to say it with me. There's a man of many companions. There's a Okay, ready? I'm going to say it, and then you're going to say it. I'll give better directions. I'll say a little bit. You say a little bit. Ready? There's a man of many companions who may come to ruin. Are you reading this? Did you put this up there? Okay. Well, thank you. I was just going to, that's for later, but that's okay. We didn't talk about it. There's a man of many companions may come to ruin. Say that. A man of many But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yeah. So um, when I was 21, uh, I've talked about this a little bit, but two things happened in my life that have shaped me dramatically for the rest of my life. One was I became a Christian. I grew up in a home where we went to church on a Sunday, but there was a complete disconnect between going to church on a Sunday and then actually understanding that this was not about a religion, but more about a relationship. And so we would go to church on a Sunday, and then we wouldn't talk about God or Jesus or anything else the rest of the week. So it wasn't until I went off to university that I came to understand that it wasn't about just being good. Matter of fact, I discovered you can't be good enough, but you don't have to be. It's not something that you achieve. I heard somebody say this the other day. It's actually something that you receive. And so I decided to follow Jesus as a 21-year-old. And then I had that, that high. I don't know if you've had this. If you become a Christian later in life, you have this kind of Christian high like, man, everything is great. Everybody loves me, and God loves me, and I'm feeling good. And it's almost like, can, can anything go wrong anymore, right? And that lasts for a little while. And for me, it only lasted three or four months. And then in January, just a few months later, I, I'm actually in London on my first trip abroad ever, and I get a phone call. I think I've told you about this. And it's my mom telling me that my dad has had a heart attack, and he's gone. He's died. And all of a sudden, this idea that becoming a Christian just meant that life was going to be really easy and simple and great, and, you know, the the road was going to be paved with gold, uh, suddenly came shattered into an end, and I didn't know what to do with myself. 
And I went into a spiral, and uh, I stopped going to class. I slept in every day. I failed all my classes at university. I stayed up late every night. And I was depressed. I didn't even know what depression was, but I was deeply depressed. And I kept everybody in an arm's length, anybody who tried to help me. But what I discovered through this period, and, and, and I'm incredibly grateful to God to given it to me, was that I was a man of many companions. I had a lot of Facebook friends. But I didn't have anybody who really knew me. I didn't have a great friend. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody who, I don't, I don't care if you put your arm up, they're going to knock it down and say, no, no, you're not keeping me away. I'm entering in. I'm going to be there. I want to know what's going on in your heart. And I was all alone. So after several months of getting out of uh, a, a hard time in my life that God really shaped me, I determined something in my heart that has made me who I am today, and that is this, that I am going to have some great friends. And I'm not talking about buddies that I play football with or go to the pub with. I'm talking about I'm going to have some guys in my life who know me and I know them and we love each other completely, absolutely, no matter what. And we're going to be there for each other no matter what. I didn't know how I was going to do this. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I had determined in my heart that that's what I wanted. And guess what I discovered along the way? That's exactly what the Lord wants for every single one of us. For every single one of us. I've discovered, reading through God's word, being a Christian, that we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. This is not about going it alone and figuring it out by yourself. This is actually about having some people to go through life with that love you and you love them. I mean, you look at Genesis 2. We're going to put some verses up on the, the screen. Genesis 2, the world's perfect, right? Everything is great in the world. And God creates Adam, and he gives him a job. He says, I want you to work the garden. He's got a great job, best job ever, right? Eat whatever you want except for that one tree over there. You can eat everything. It's all free. It's all good. He gets to name all the animals. He's got, you know, he's, that would be so cool, right? He's got like a lion for a pet. They're hanging out. It's just cool, right? And yet, even though everything's perfect and Adam can walk with God in the garden, he looks at Adam and he says, you know what? It's not good. It's not good that you're alone. I'm going to make somebody for you. You need a friend. So he makes Eve. And it says in the, in the verse, he says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And here's the picture I want you to get. Yes, we look at this and we think about it as marriage, but, but what he was doing is this. He was making him a person who complimented him, that made him better, and he made them better. Being together made them better people. We were made, you ready for this, for deep relationships. All of us. Nobody's left out of this, by the way. Nobody. Again, doesn't matter. Single, married, you look at this passage and you think, well, this is just for married people. You need to understand and, and get with us. Ready? Not everybody's getting married. Even better, not everybody's supposed to get married. Sometimes we get up here and we speak like this is an inevitable thing, but guess what? It's not. There's lots of people. I have lots of dear friends who are very happy being single, and they're going to be single the rest of their days, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The Apostle Paul actually said, if you can stay single, do it. You're going to be more effective for the kingdom as a single person than a married person. 
If you're here today and you're thinking, I'm single or I'm divorced or I'm widowed, I'm all on my own, I, I don't know if I'm ever to get married, guess what? That's, that's okay. It doesn't make you any less than anybody else. We all, even us married people, need deep friends outside of our spouse. All of us. Nobody's left out. Okay? We need this. This is the way we were designed. In other words, it is not wrong. It's actually healthy and right to desire deep friendships. It's the right thing. This is why we love the TV show Friends so much, right? We're like, dude, these are some nerdy guys and those are some good-looking girls. How does that happen? But really what we love about the show isn't that. It's that they actually do truly love each other and they stick together and they're great friends and they share all their stuff with each other, right? We were designed for that. Later on, a Pharisee goes to Jesus and he says, what's the greatest commandment of all? And what does Jesus say? He says this, he says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He says these are connected. In other words, to love somebody else is loving God. And you cannot love God if you don't love your neighbor. They are interconnected. Does that make sense? He's making it a priority for all of us to understand you're not on your own here. This is something you do together. I heard this the other day. I was at a conference in London with, with Aunt and Helen, and a guy said this. He said, you can't be yourself by yourself. I thought that was pretty brilliant. You can't be yourself by yourself. In other words, if you want to find out the true you, if you want to find out who it is that God's made you to be, you got to do it with other people. You need people around. Think about this. Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples. Okay, this is a prime moment. Everybody's listening, right? Jesus, I mean, they're up in the upper room. There's the electric is going on, right? This is electricity in the room. Way before Edison, right? You know, they've got electricity in the room. And people are excited. And Jesus says, here, I got a new commandment. I've been with you for three years, and now I'm pulling out a new commandment. And they're like, a new one now? They're like, yes. And here it is. Ready? Love one another. The way I have loved you, love one another. He's modeled it for three years. You need deep, committed friends like we have. And what you've seen me do for you, I want you to do for each other. And then he says this, if you'll do this, the rest of the world will know that you are my disciples. If you'll do this, if you'll love one another. You know, each Sunday we show up here, and I love it, Aunt and Helen say, I want you to stand up and I want you to meet somebody. Go around the room and talk to somebody. Why do they do that? Well, for some of us, they th we think they do it to make us incredibly uncomfortable. Every week, we're like, oh, do I have to? A new person? Can't it be an old person that I just barely know? Somebody, you know, right? Here's why they do it, and I'm so glad they do it. Because there's a high value in this church that everybody knows everybody. Or everybody knows somebody really well, right? If you show up here and you're new, guess what? We want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us. So every single week, we're going to stand up, and we're going to walk around and talk to people, and we want everybody to feel part because there's a high value here that says we need each other. You can't be yourself by yourself. And then um, 
There's another passage I love in Ecclesiastes. We hear this passage all the time in weddings, right? Ecclesiastes 4 that says, two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You guys have heard that passage before? Guess what? That's not about marriage. We've taken it, we've adopted it to talk about a married couple. When the, when the author of Ecclesiastes wrote this, incredibly wise person, he wasn't talking about marriage. He was talking about friendship. He's talking about two people out in a field working together. And he says when one of them falls down, the other is there to pick them up. And then he says a cord of three strands. If, if you could even have two friends or three friends, that's not quickly broken. Man, we need each other. We were designed by our creator to need friends. That is not a weakness. That is real, and that is from God. God said, it's not good for us to be alone. I am going to give you a friend who's going to help you. So, what did I do? So, years ago, after I determined in my heart, I need some good friends I started praying, God, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And I went to this conference called Promise Keepers. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. But it was a huge thing back in the 90s in the States. And it was this, this guy named Bill McCartney who was the uh, coach of the Colorado uh, University of Colorado football team. National champs, right? I mean, he is the most famous university college football coach in America. And he looks at his wife one day. Christian, he's a Christian, she's a Christian, and he's like, how am I doing? And he said she didn't even have to say. He could tell from the look in her eyes that he was doing lousy as a husband and a dad. He was so preoccupied with football that he was not doing well at home, so he quit. National champs, he's at the top of the game, okay, and he quit. And he started this thing called Promise Keepers, and I went along a couple years later to a stadium of about 80,000 men, full of men. And Bill got up and he said, listen, two are better than one. You need each other. You need some guys in your life that are going to help you be better. And I took it to heart. So I asked two guys, a guy named Brent and a guy named Sean, you guys want to start hanging out? There's a book called The Seven Promises of a Promise Keepers. I don't even know what's in it. But maybe I just bought three copies, and I said, let's start going through this book together. And we started doing life together. And, I, and we bumbled around for a while, and we're like, how does this work, and who's in charge? And we kind of figured out after a while that nobody's in charge. We're just going to do life. We're going to share our hearts with each other. We're going to actually open up and talk about everything and anything that somebody wants to, and we're going to fight for each other. And I want you guys to know, is there, did you put a picture up? Do we have a picture? There's Sean and Brent. That was a couple years ago. I've been hanging out with these guys, doing life with them for 25 years. 25 years. We're still hanging out. We're still best friends. These guys are in my wedding. They've been to England multiple times. That was in uh, um, Utah at the Zion National Park. And we spent a week together just hiking and hanging out. We get together twice a year now, face-to-face, -face, for 48 hours. And there's no set agenda, but we just share, and we pray, and we laugh, and we talk, and we do life together. And they know everything about me. And, you ready for this? They have permission to ask me anything they want to ask me, and I have permission to do the same. And we have permission to say whatever we want to say to each other. 
because we know each other and we trust each other and we do life together. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is my picture of what it looks like to have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I have four brothers. I have four great brothers, but they don't know me like these guys do. These guys know me incredibly well. We Skype all the time. We talk all the time. So I was trying to think, you know, there's some great pictures in the Bible of great friends. I wanted to give you another great picture. You know, you got David and Jonathan, right? Amazing friends. There's, there's, there's a bunch of them, but I thought of one that's outside the Bible. I hope that's okay. I'm going to show you actually a little clip. My picture is Frodo and Sam from Lord of the Rings. You guys know what I'm talking about? Matter of fact, I tell people I love Lord of the Rings. MB and I read Lord of the Rings this year, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, the whole thing together, and then we watched all the movies. The hero of Lord of the Rings is not Aragorn, by the way, or Gandalf. It's not even Frodo. The hero is Sam. Sam's the hero. I love that. So here's a little clip we're going to watch, and I'll set it up before you start. Is that okay? We, you guys like watching clips, don't you? Isn't this fun? Okay. So here's the clip. This is the, this is the breaking of the fellowship, and Frodo, Boromir has tried to take the ring from Frodo. And Frodo realizes he's got to get out of there. He's endangering all of his friends that he loves deeply. So he thinks, it's better if I go it alone. So he's trying to get out of there secretly. Puts the ring on, becomes invisible. If you don't know the story, I'm sorry. Spoilers everywhere. If you've not seen Lord of the Rings, what is your problem? Go see it. Watch it today. Only take 12 hours of your life. (laughs) Best 12 hours ever. So um, he puts the ring on. He's going down. He's getting on this boat. And he's going to get out of there. And Sam has made a promise. Sam, who deeply loves Frodo, has made a promise to Gandalf. I will stick with Frodo no matter what. Isn't that cool? If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, that's a good advert. Do it. Watch it. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Guys, you're going to have bumps in life. You're going to be going along and everything's good. And then you're gonna, somebody's going to get a call that they've got cancer. Or somebody's going to say, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Or you're going to have one of your kids tell you, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't believe any of this God stuff. Or any number of things can happen. You get a call that your dad's gone or your mom's gone. And you don't know what to do. And in that moment, two things can happen. One, you can feel like I did. I got nobody. I have no idea who to call. I have no idea who to talk to. I have no idea what to do now. Or you can call one of your best friends that you know, and they know you, and they love you, and they're going to be there for you no matter what. And they will rush over, and they'll put their arm around your shoulder, and they're just going to sit and listen, and they're going to say, what do you need? I can make a meal. I can give you a ride. I can babysit the kids. What, are, what do you need? 
I think the choice is pretty simple, right? We want friends. We need friends. We were made for great, deep friends. It's what reflects our relationship with Christ to the world is our deep friends. So what do you do now? So here's the lesson I learned. I'm almost done. You can't just sit back and wait for it to happen, thinking it's just going to all of a sudden happen one day, right? You got to be proactive. For me, I initiated with Brent and Sean to hang out. I initiated that trip to Utah. A few years ago, I initiated having a a small group, a home group, with several couples in my house, and we met together for six years, and we belly laughed every time we met, and it was joyful, and I loved it. If you are here, and, you, and you're thinking, I want this, how do I get it? Here's what you need to do. You ready? You need to be proactive. You need to initiate. You need to go to Aunt Helen and say, how do I get in a home group? Sounds great. I'd love to have some friends like that, somebody that rather, would rather drown than me go off on my own. Find me one of those right? Get in a home group. If, you know, we've got all kinds of stuff. Every time you turn around, they're like, either the women are going to go do this, the men are going to go blow stuff up. You know, we got like catapults. I'd love that. I want to hit something with a rock. That sounds great. And if we could actually do the archery, like archery tag, where you're actually shooting at people, even better. They act, that's a thing, people, by the way. That's a real thing. You, you like, pat it on the end of the arrows. Let's do that. I want to shoot somebody. That's good. I don't want to hurt them. Bad. But a little bit be fun. <laughs> you ever play paintball with somebody and you shoot them and they're like, ah, they cry. You're like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's good stuff. But there's stuff going on all the time. And I would say to the men as well, do you see that thing about October? Yes, sign up. We had 25, 30 guys go last year. It was awesome. I was brand new here, and I came away from that feeling like, wow, I can come to church now, and there's 25, 30 guys who all know my name. I know their names. We're high-fiving. We're talking to each other. It's brilliant. If you get a chance to go, you should go. That's a start. But keep initiating. Bumble around. Find a book. Who, are, who do you think, man, I'd really love to hang out with them a little bit more? You know, lean in and keep praying. Because here's what I believe, and here's what I be- know. The Lord has friends in mind for you. Right? He has friends in mind for you. He has people for you in mind that want a great friend too. I guarantee you, you can walk in here, again, if you're brand new, you can easily walk in here and you think, everybody already knows everybody. They're all great friends. I promise you this. Everybody in here wants this. Everybody in here wants a great friend. And there's plenty of people in here who may seem like they have great friends, and they really don't. And they're dying on the inside. So pray for it. Look for it. Initiate it. Be proactive. Go to the stuff. Stop being prideful. Stop, stop being stubborn. And if, by the way, if money's an issue to go on one of these things, talk to Ant. He will give you money. <laughs> no, actually what will happen is this. 
talk to Ant, and Ant will go, all right, I'm going to go talk to some of my friendly friends who have some money, and I'll ask them to help, and we'll get you there. Do not ever let the financial peace stop you from going to one of these things ever. Right? Isn't that right? I'm not making stuff up, Anna. They're not throwing anything at me, so that's good. Don't ever let that stop. Come along, jump in, join in. Get in a home group. Man, do that. Be a part. Be a friend. So last thing. I was talking to a bunch of year sixes the other day about friendship, and I I had one last piece of advice for them, and I'm going to give it to you, and it's this. If you want a great friend, and we all want great friends, right? Here's what you do. You ready? Be a great friend. That's the key to success, by the way. In other words, be a great friend means be somebody they can count on. Be somebody that initiates with them. Don't always wait on them to initiate with you. Right? And by the way, particularly men, I'm sorry if I'm generalizing, we're not as good at that. Beth Ann, by the way, initiates with everybody. Sometimes I'm like, stop initiating. How many more people can we have in our house? (laughs) I am introverted, woman. But I'm so glad she does because I need it. Right? Initiate. And then when you make a great friend or as you're building a friendship and somebody shares something with you, keep it to yourself. Great friends don't go around telling everybody, yeah, I met with so-and-so the other day, and man, their marriage is in trouble. No. A great friend says, Trust me, I'm a stop sign. You tell me something, it stops here. Initiate. Encourage. Great friends find ways to encourage their friends, either through words or gifts or time or touch. One of my best friends, one of my best friends, Brent, every time we get together, you may think this is weird. I don't care. Brent is a physical touch person. He feels loved by physical touch. So every time we get together, guess what Brent asked me to do? Would you please give me a neck massage? I'm like, yes. I will massage his neck for a stinking hour. That thing's hard as a rock. He needs a good massage. Does he ever give me a massage? No. Because I don't want one from him. I go home to Beth Ann, like, come sort me out, woman. Forget it. I don't want Brent. I, anyway, you understand what I'm saying? That's what he needs, and he asks every time, and he knows he can ask me. He never asked Sean. Sean's like, I'm not touching you, but I'll give him a back rub every time because guess what? That's how he feels loved. If you find out what somebody's button is, if you found out that there was a button you could push, by the way, on a person, and they would feel loved by doing it, do you know how many times you should push that button? Once? No. Ten times? No. All the time. Because no one gets tired of having their button pushed that makes them feel loved, ever. So if somebody's a words person, well, then tell them you love them all the time. You know what I love? I love coming home and Beth me like, Michael, you look good today. I'm like, thank you. She doesn't want to hear that, by the way. I mean, she likes it when I say you look good. But you know what she wants? Go clean the kitchen. Because <laughs> she's acts of service. She feels love when I'm washing dishes. So I'll be in there washing dishes going, I'm loving you right now, woman. Take care of me later. Any children? Oh, that's high. Shh, keep moving. All right. So are you guys with me? Are you with me? A man of many or a woman of many companions, and you can put in there, 
You can substitute that word as Facebook friends or fake friends or Instagram friends or social media friends. A man or woman of loads of those may very well come to ruin because those aren't real friends. But there is a friend. There is a friend that God wants you to have who will stick closer than your own brother or sister. They are out there, and God wants them for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the time that we get to be together. Thank you for giving us your word, reminding us that you made us like this. You made us relational beings. You made us as people who loved to have great friends and our need to have great friends. We were made that way. And I pray, here's my big prayer, Lord, that every person here would experience at least one dear, wonderful, great lifetime friend. Every person. And I pray as a church, if we've got people in the room who don't have that, that we help them find it. That we take that on and say, let's help. So we pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. We want to be great friends. We want to love each other the way you loved us so that the whole world will know we belong to you. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In Jesus' name, amen.